0: So, all right, everybody, welcome to episode 299 of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man,
1: Sage, uh, chilling live and direct from Beaverton, Oregon. About to talk to these, about these uh, players that are rising up boards very fast, and uh, we're doing a deep dive on them, so... uh, yeah, it should be an interesting show. There's guys that have some talent. So, uh, who do you want to start with? I'm kind of partial to Jalen, but we can we can go with whatever.
0: Yeah, just uh, before we get started, um, I know it's been um, sombering to say the least with the events that have you know transpired, whether it's in Buffalo california and now texas and it's been hard for me personally to focus um i try to uh balance how much information i'm receiving from from the events versus not going into overload mode and uh, you know i want to be informed but i also want to be able to function uh, as well and just as the details keep. Uh, coming out, it's been, it's been difficult. Um, It was difficult this morning, especially. Um, And uh, I put on, you know, a live cam of some sea otters from the Monterey Bay Aquarium, watched a little bit of Jake Laravia, who we'll be talking about later. And, uh, you know, it took a while, but it was nice to just kind of uh, get away. And I I hope for for all of our listeners who are uh, enjoying our our content, maybe tuning into the show. If this is a 30 to 45 minute reprieve for you, um, you know, we're, we're here for you. Um, This is kind of what, what we're doing. This, this helps us pass the time. Um, I, I enjoy, you know, spending my nights, you know, scouting these prospects, putting notes and just like not, not thinking for a bit. I think it's, it's healthy to just, Uh, Put put a balance on on what you're able to consume at least that's worked for me so for all the listeners out there. um, It is difficult to record this show right now, given the importance of everything else going on, but it is also important for at least my mental health Um, and so that's that's what I wanted to uh, start the show with, first and foremost, because. um, There are a lot of people with that I have my my thoughts on right now, but um, it, it is nice. To just talk some draft uh it's coming up i believe we only have a couple more episodes before the actual draft and um as you mentioned sage this is going to be uh for prospects that we have seen since the start of our recordings in january kind of come out of nowhere uh maybe even surprised they're declaring for this draft and as of you know a month or two ago starting to to make their way up into that first round
1: you know like as you said, there's a lot of things going on in the world. So, you know, I don't have all the answers to everything, but what I can do is put my, uh, all my effort into talking about this draft and, you know, offering something in the world that isn't, uh, about the, uh, devastating events. So what made me watch like eight games in a 24 hour period was for the fans. So they don't, you know, so they can have something, uh, of a different context to, to listen to. So uh, we're doing this for y'all.
0: And uh, let's get it started with uh, a relative unknown, at least for me, up until probably a month or so ago, you started to hear his name. Uh, it is Jalen Williams from uh, the West Coast Conference, Santa Clara University. Uh, He's a small forward, almost 6'6", but with a 7'2 wingspan, uh, comes in at 209 pounds, uh, 21 years old, uh, from Gilbert, Arizona. Uh, Something I found interesting about him was he grew eight inches from his sophomore year to his senior year in high school. Uh, He's currently uh, a little all over the board, but he's up to 25 on the Ringer's big board, 39 on Tankathon's big board. So you're looking at a late first, early second round prospect. Uh, His season stats at Santa Clara, 18 points per game on 51% shooting from the field, almost 40% from three, 81 at the line, uh, four and a half rebounds, a little over four assists, uh, a little over one steals per game, half a block. uh, Did that in nearly 35 minutes uh, a night for Santa Clara, played 33 games and had a player efficiency rating of 22.8. He was first team all West Coast Conference this past year. Uh, And Sage, uh, what really uh, stood out to you?
1: Well, I I think it's the pick and roll offense. I know that in the league, he probably won't be at least a primary initiator in the pick and roll, but when you saw him initiate the pick and roll at Santa Clara, he navigated the screen really, really well and got to his spots. There was a play in the uh, Zag Santa Clara game where Jalen used to hit the pick and roll and was able to get to his spots to either pull up for a mid-range or to get it to the layup against Shet, who was in drop coverage. And if you can get to your spots in positive in positive times against Shet, who I think is the best defender, post-defender in the class, you can get to your spots against most NBA players. So the pick and roll navigation, what his decision-making is on the pick and roll, because there was a lot of craft passing off of the pick-and-roll coverage. So number one thing that sticks out to me is that. And like as we're watching in the playoffs, you need to have multiple ball handlers to attack the defense. So he might not be your first playmaker. Well, he shouldn't be your first playmaker. But if as a secondary guy to run pick-and-rolls, and, rolls, and I, I believe I looked at Instat, and he was like a 90% pick-and-roll operator, to have a guy that can be your secondary and to run pick-and-roll really, really well. I mean, that's what that's still got out to me was the playmaking off of that pick-and-roll. And, roll. and uh, the shooting, It his form looks great. Like, he, he has deep NBA range, and I think that's what's going to keep him on the floor. But what interests me the most was the playmaking and the pick-and-roll uh, uh, ball handler role.
0: Yeah, I, I like the variety of passes out of the pick-and-roll. Uh, the pocket pass, he's a hook pass, the lob. He can do the bounce, he can throw it off of one hand. Um, so definitely has some secondary playmaking potential. Uh, I don't, I, I agree with you, I don't think you're going to see him do that as frequently in the NBA as he did at Santa Clara. It seemed like he was really their primary option and shouldered a lot of offensive usage. Um, for the Broncos, uh, I, I noticed his jump shot was beautiful, but I wanted to see more. Clips of him shooting the ball, but uh, you know it is tough when you are when you are scouting prospects at a mid major who don't really have the the talent level of a Duke or or a Carolina. You don't have other players that can set him up and see how he works off ball. So uh, how does he shoot off of movement? Uh, I, I know I, I don't project him to be an isolation scorer. He he struggled in the clips that I saw getting separation against Gonzaga and Saint Mary's. Um, not, he's really not overly athletic, uh, struggle, struggles to finish at the rim. Um, he had his uh, potential game-winning shot blocked against St. Mary's Logan Johnson. And Logan's only 6'2", so he, he doesn't really have a lot of explosiveness. I, I don't know um, what he's going to project at the next level more than just maybe uh, a catch-and-shoot score, but you, you can see the smarts are there. You, you can see the feel for the game is there. I like players who... Uh, progress and he definitely has made leaps and bounds from his freshman to sophomore to now his junior campaign, where he's probably going to be taken in the first round. Um, I kind of feel the same way about him as I do guys like E.J. Liddell or Keegan Murray. I, I don't think there's high bus potential there. I just don't think the ceiling is super high either. I think he's a high floor player. So if you're a, a franchise that's looking to you know round out your bench, looking for a solid contributor from from day one. Uh, I, I would really consider taking a, a player uh like like Jalen Williams. I, I think he's got you know he's got the wingspan that you want, um, especially I think size is coming back into the NBA. So I like him better as a big two than a small three.
1: I'm gonna uh fight back a little bit on the uh handle. I think that he without a ball screen, he can manipulate with change of speed and some bag where he can get his own shot a little bit like I saw uh might have been the St. Mary's game I, I know I watched two last night so this play is in my mind or he just like did a left right crossover the guy bit and he uh got to the mid-range and rose over I kind of like his three level scoring potentials I don't, I don't think it's Malachi random level of three level scoring but he's, he's, he's got something in the bag that can get it. He can get to the spot. And I think that, you know, that high level athleticism, of course it's great, but the NBA right now to me feels like you have to be skilled and versatile one and two. And then if you're skilled and versatile one and two, and then have that high level athleticism, that's when Anthony Edwards exists. So I, I think that he can get to his spots. Did you notice anything on defense with the clips? Cause the, uh, in the St. Mary's game that I watched, Kuzi uh tried to uh drive baseline. And this was like maybe I, mean, I actually might have put it, uh the 16th uh minute into the second half. Uh Kuzi drove uh baseline and uh Jalen helped, dug out of uh Kuzi, ripped it, and took it the other way. So there's definitely some defensive potential with him, and I really like his awareness as an off-ball defender. I don't think he'll ever be an on-ball guy because The top tier athleticism isn't really there, but like the way that he attacked the help side defense and was able to rip it from legitimately a pretty damn good point guard in um, Kuzi, It shows that he has some potential as a defender on the, on a off ball. And if he can get to a program where they can help him develop all the other things defensively, I think that he can be a legitimately, uh, positive off-ball defender in the league
0: yeah and it's also hard to gauge his defensive ability given how much he was shouldering on offense too right like he's not going to have the energy to play both ends but hopefully with a a lower load offensively in the nba he can be more of a aware player on on the other side of the floor but i agree I, i wouldn't project him to be um a menace on ball, like that, the foot speed, the lateral quickness, it's just not there. And you, those are things you have to have. Like smarts can only take you so far on defense when it comes to being an on ball defender, but he does have great length. He does have a uh, high basketball intelligence. So he could, you know, tip balls, play the passing lanes, uh, kind of roam around and just kind of be a, a little bit of a disruptor uh, when teams aren't trying to uh, go one-on-one against him.
1: As you've looked in the playoffs, they love picking on players defensively. I don't think he's going to get picked on like some other players that we'll be talking about. I think he won't be he won't be a menace, but he won't be a negative. Like he's just going to he'll be on the if he's hot, he's going to be on the floor in those those uh, important minutes of the game. So I I like what he can provide, but it it really if he can shoot it, shoot it. He's going to be on the floor.
0: Yeah, and it's tough. This draft is loaded with, with wing players who I happen to like a lot more. Hmm. Um, I think if this was a maybe an average draft class, he's probably sneaking into the teens, uh, but because of how loaded it is at the two and the three, he's probably going to fall into the the mid-20s. So uh, that's kind of where, where I see him, where, where I have him. I wouldn't have a problem with the team taking him uh, in, in the mid to late 20s there.
1: Is there a team that just screams... Great fit for Jalen Williams.
0: I mean, I don't know if there's a team off the top of my head. I think you want him to go to a veteran team. I think, like like I mentioned off, off, off the jump, he needs to go to a team that is looking to contend right now. They have a spot, eighth or ninth man off the bench. If he can play the Cam Johnson role as a rookie, like what Cam Johnson played in Phoenix, you know, basically he didn't fuck up, hit his open shots, and wasn't a sieve on defense. Now, Cam turned into a really good defensive player and an automatic shooter. Like, if he can have that type of career arc, that's that's fabulous. So I, I think you look at a team uh, who is ready to win right now, like, like the Suns. Um, I think he would be, be great on any team that's trying to win. I, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense okay. to bring in a ready-made rookie for a team like the Thunder, who are so far away. Uh, so it's it just got to be a team that needs to win now, needs a day-one contributor, and uh, can have a superstar around him that can get him some open looks.
1: Yeah, I was thinking like the Heat or, you know, this team isn't competing, but I think the coach makes it so it, he it's a great fit, but I would love to see what he can do with Greg Popovich. Just have him be off the bench, um, be that 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 secondary playmaker with uh, with uh, one of the Joneses. Po- that, that's the point guard. I, I don't know. Trey Jones. Yeah, Trey Jones, and uh, I think that he he's gonna fit a spot and play a role. And I mean, he he's older, so he knows there's he, there's limitations in his game. Some of these nineteen-year-olds and eighteen-year-olds don't think that there's limitations, so you know, if you're, if you're Greg Popovich, I think he would fit with you or if you're a team like the heat or, you know, one of those competing teams. Yeah. I think that he would be a, a pretty nice uh, rotation player that has. I would love uh, to
0: see him in, in Los Angeles with the Clippers playing in Ty Lue's defensive scheme.
1: Oh yeah. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. Back I, up. I in that, that, that's a, that's a spot that, that kind of popped into my. My mind right there. I mean, you've you've already got Kawhi, PG, Norm Powell, you know, Reggie Jackson. You get another long athletic, big, big guard. I mean, you can just throw the gauntlet at any team. Um and then you can play of a role
1: off the bench. Cause let's be real, Reggie Jackson
0: was, was over.
1: Yeah, he was overextended as a lead guard with Paul George and Kawhi being hurt so much. So having a guy that also can create. Something in the pick and roll might be good for the Clippers. Um, who do you want to talk about next? Or do you have, do you have more about Jalen Williams?
0: No, I think that about covered it. Let's uh, let's move forward to uh, Blake Wesley uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, another shooting guard measures in just over six, four with a six, nine wingspan uh, weighs 187 pounds, um, 19 years old, born, in South Bend, Indiana. So no reason why he didn't go to Notre Dame. Uh, he's currently number 18 on the Ringers big board and 26 on Tankathon's big board. Uh, some season stats. Uh, averaged 14 and a half points per game, did it on 40% shooting from the field, 30 from three, and 65.7 percent from the line, uh, grabbed 3.7 boards, uh, 2.4 assists. Uh, a little over a steal game really didn't register any blocks Uh, did that in over 29 minutes of action in 35 games for the irish and had a player efficiency rating of 16.9 this was one of those players who you know we talk about um you know players rising or being unexpected entries into the draft like he kind of falls in the line of the the, the Bryce McDowans, who we will talk about a little bit later, the Malachi Branhams, where these are unlikely one and done candidates. Uh, he was a four-star recruit by Rivals, ranked the 104th best player nationally. So a good recruit, but not somebody that you would expect to make that leap uh to the NBA. Uh the the thing that that stuck out in my mind for uh Blake Wesley is he reminds me of Larry Hughes on the Washington Wizards. Uh, this guy does his best when he is playing in the passing lanes, using his length and turning um, his, his defense into offense. Like I, I think he projects as a, a spark plug off the bench. The question for me is going to be, can he do more than just score the basketball? I mean, cause you saw the, You saw the percentages they're not good. 40% from the field, 30% from three. And when nobody's guarding him, a sub 70% shooter from the line. So it's going to take a while for, I think, a team to get him to mold him where he's going to be. So if you're a team, you have to come into this draft. And if you're looking for somebody who you can bury on your bench and develop on a rookie scale contract, Blake Wesley is your player if you want somebody ready-made like Jalen Williams to contribute from day one, I think you need to steer clear from Blake Wesley, because there are a lot of holes in, in his game. And I, I, I do think he is worth a risk in the late first round. Personally, I would have liked to have seen him come back to Notre Dame for his sophomore season. Uh, I think there is a, a big likely, uh, it would have been very likely that he would have had a sophomore breakout campaign, much like Johnny Davis, much like Benedict Matherin, and much like Jaden Ivy. Um, like, there's just so much potential there, Sage, with Blake Wesley. But like we mentioned with Jaden Williams, there are so many other talented shooting guards. Like, I wouldn't feel the need to select him unless he really fell down the draft boards. Like, I think you can find somebody who has just as much potential, but is maybe more ready to play um, around where he is going to be selected. So it's going to be interesting to see what teams, you know, every team is going to be divided on these prospects we're talking about right now. These, this isn't a Jabari Smith, uh, this, you know, this isn't a Paolo Banquero. teams are going to be like hot and cold on these prospects. Uh, I think that the nicest thing I can say about him and it goes back to wanting him to go back to, to school, He reminds me of Jaden Ivy, very light. Like the handle shows flashes of brilliance. He has a hesitation crossover into a foul line floater. He is dynamic in the open floor. Great change of pace player. I mean, fantastic change of pace player. He's quick, he's crafty. He's got the hesitation moves and it helps offset the fact that he isn't the craziest athlete. Like he's, he's not going to be able to just explode off of one foot and really do what Jaden Ivy does. What Ivy worked on was that jump shot. What Ivy worked on was struggling, was uh, finishing at the rim. That's something that Blake Wesley really struggles to do. He really doesn't get, uh, he doesn't, he's not able to, to convert. Like like, like I said, unless there is a, a full, you know, runway for him to take off, he, he's not going to explode into that. Um, I, I think he, he can end up being an inconsistent volume shooter Um, he needs to refine the jump shot. I think he needs to focus on his on-ball defensive skills. I think if he is to make it in the NBA, it's not as that that Jaden Ivey score. I think he's got the defensive... I think he does have the defensive physical tools, whether you look at the wingspan, you look at the the lateral quickness. I I think he could succeed if he models his game more after Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart. So
1: I've probably only watched two to, uh, Notre Dame games, but things that stood out to me in those games was that he can create space with his dribble. I think his, his bag is pretty nice. So he'll always be able to have that. He is a great space creating guard. Now with the positives, I think that we have to, I think that he is really unhealthy, skinny. He needs to hit that weight room pretty damn hard. And that shot, his shot mechanics looks like it changes every time he shoots. So he needs to nail down his shot because if he can't figure out how he's going to shoot every single time, it's just going to be such a high variance of what happens. So for me, he has a lot to do with the fundamentals of the game. He's going to create space and be able to launch. He's not going to be that, like, downhill driver type of guy. He's going to have to – it's going to be almost always dependent on his shot and shot creation. So can he get a form that is efficient and the same every time? And can he put muscle on his frame? Because if he doesn't, that's going to be a real negative for him. Because, yeah, I think that he he can play defense but I think he also can get bodied up by bigger and stronger players. So those are my two swing factors for him is his shot mechanics and the, uh, the, the, the muscle.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't expect him. He doesn't project to me as a playmaker really at any level Um,
1: for himself. I think he is.
0: Yes. Like he's a willing passer, but he can only make the simple reads at the moment. You look at the statistics. He has a 2.4 assist to 2.2 turnover ratio, Basically, every assist comes with a turnover, which is uh, extremely subpar. Um, every clip I watched, I watched a ton of Blake Wesley. He had the ball in his hands. I, I don't anticipate him getting that type of uh, leeway at the next level. He's so,
1: killed down immensely.
0: Yeah. Can you play without the ball? And I think that's the answer right now is no. You, you, I have in my notes he needs to redefine his jump shot mechanics. We see people, we're going to talk about Jake, Jake LaRabia, beautiful jump shot when he is set still. Just like how I play basketball. You give me space, I can make a jump shot. Shooting off the dribble, off movement, off screens, getting your body right, being able to shoot when you're not perfectly squared up. That is very difficult to do. and Only a handful of human beings on this earth can do so. So if he's struggling to, to shoot just even off of the isolation or just wide open, I don't anticipate him, him being able to play off ball anytime soon. So again, this is a player that is probably two years away from probably uh sniffing their rotation. So if you can afford that, if you're a team that's absolutely loaded and you're just looking to kind of kind of invest in your farm system, I think Blake Wesley is the player to do so. Uh, but if but if you need a, a ready uh contributor from day one, I, I don't know how it makes sense. Um I would say for all of the potential, I I am worried about a a prospect who projects to be a scorer, the percentages were awful at Notre Dame. The the sub 70% at the free throw line is very worrisome. Like that, that translates and projects out more than the, the three point shooting does. If you're a good free throw shooter, you tend to be able to shoot the NBA three. Um, the, the college three is nothing more than a mid range jump shot at the next level. So, um, it, it's, it's interesting that we're finally talking about prospects who were not really, uh, in love with, you know, we've done all these episodes since January. I, I think there's probably the two Duke players who I, I'm not infatuated with. I know you're not infatuated with Keegan Murray, but for the most part, you know we found really good in almost every prospect we've talked about, be like, yeah, this, this this will be a solid prospect. And now we start getting into these these late first round players. And it's like, okay, now reality is starting to set, and this is why they are a late first round prospect. Um, you see teams try to go for a home run and take a player who has really high upside, but it tends to be those players who can do just one or two things exceptional that kind of succeed at, in this range of the draft. So um, I think Blake's success is really at the next level, I should say is really going to be defined by the system that he gets drafted into and just how, how much is he going to be able to uh, really improve upon his game? I, I would say right now, if I was his coach, if I was his, his advisor, sure, go, go and take the money. You're probably a guaranteed first round pick, but I don't know if he's guaranteed to get that second MBA contract. I think mechanically, fundamentally, he's a ways away from from being an, an NBA basketball player.
1: I think it, he has to defend. Wow, well, he has to depend on his craft, like the way C.J. McCollum developed all of those counters.
0: He and CJ, cj's cj's bag though coming out of lehigh was still exceptional so yes he did he got to an elite level but you know cj's bag at Lehigh was like having leaps and bounds above where, where blake's is right now i i mean yes cj's
1: bag was is bigger but i think blake wesley can do things with the ball that are special, but he has to develop all of those craft layup packages because he's not going to have that top tier athleticism to go downhill and dunk it on somebody. So he's going to have to develop that floater. He's going to have to develop all of those craft shots that CJ's taking. So I I, I think when we talked last week about Ryan Rollins and him needing to develop those craft finishes, I think Ryan has – he has more leeway to be a player without the craft finishes that Blake needs them. And it would be nice for Ryan to have. So Ryan
0: can shoot the basketball. Today. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were, you were talking about Blake's Blake's bag and that's great, but like, he's not able to shoot off of that. So it's like, it, he's, he's the more I talk about him, the more I'm like, God damn, he is a long ways away from, I think being, at, at the next level. So um oh, I would
1: have told him to stay and for a few years, but I mean I'm worried about his body too. Just he's really, really skinny. So yeah, that that there's a, a lot to worry about when it comes to Blake Wesley.
0: He only weighs like 10 pounds lighter than Chet though.
1: Yeah. I, I mean Chet has a problem too. <laughs> it's obvious see, that Chet has a problem with his weight but as a guard you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get abused by like could you imagine what happens when Drew Holiday defends him or Marcus Smart or one of those guys that is strong they're just bullying him like if he has the ball they're just gonna push him to half court and it's gonna be over for him so yeah, yeah I think he has to develop his body as well as his shot mechanics
0: all right, let's move on to uh, Jake LaRavia. He is from Wake Forest, uh, junior, small forward, uh, 6'8", with a 6'9 and a half wingspan, uh, 227 pounds, uh, 20 years old, will be 21 in November. From Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, some season stats for Jake, averaged 14.6 points, did it on 56% shooting from the field. Uh, over 38% from three, uh, nearly 78% from the line, pulled down over six and a half rebounds, handed out over three and a half assists, a block a game, one and a half steals per game. Did that in 33 games for the Demon Deacons in 34 minutes and had a player efficiency rating of 22.9. This is a player who really came out of nowhere, um, Is being talked about um, as a first round pick. Uh, Tankathon has him going 30th in their latest mock draft to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 33rd on the big board. Uh, Sage, what are your thoughts on Jake Laravia?
1: When I watched him, I was like, damn, this dude knows basketball. The way he moves on the court is just like classic. Like his father's a coach and made him run drills over and over and over again so that he knows how to move and where to go on a basketball court. So I, I think the basketball IQ is very, very high. Um, I really was impressed with his passing. I know that Wake Forest is a, has a lot of uh, transfer guys that are really, really skilled. Like uh, Their point guard was uh, really fun to watch. But the way that he would just He's not going to dime you up for a good pass, but he's a willing passer that makes quick decisions that are smart. So he would find that open cutter or that open three-point shooter and just get it to him fast and efficiently. So it, he kind of ran offense like Yusuf Nurkic did, just without the high-risk passing. So they would give it to him at like the top of the key, and he would find somebody for a good pass. Uh, I wrote in my notes that he's a uh, uh, a Lee type of playmaker where he would just find the right pass, but it wasn't like dribbling, really. Um, I really was impressed with his off-ball movement as a cutter. Um, He has some real shot hesitancy, so he would be a uh, high-level cutter to create spacing, not a shooter as of right now because of the low attempts and the shot hesitancy, but he would be a really good cutter like... There are times and places for you to be cutting. So, like, if a guy is on the left side posting up and got walled off, he would go on the right and cut, and it would be an easy basket. So the IQ just shows – shines brightly in those scenarios where he can use his cutting and uh, scoring ability in the post. Uh, So I I like what he can do as a cutter – I think where he is explosive is in the transition game, in uh, on offense where he's comfortable dribbling up the ball and finding the right player. I think that in this stage of his game, he's more of a transition offensive player than he is a half court offensive player, and that that has some issues of its own. Where you know he has to be moving to be effective, but in transition, he he's pretty damn explosive, finding the right player getting to the lane himself. So I like that in his game, but obviously it's a half court game when it gets to important ball. So the three point shooting is a humongous swing skill. If he gets confident enough to launch, I think that could add something to his game. But really what Jake is, is a really good defensive player where he's kind of a stocks guy stocks is steals and blocks. So he's going to do the momentum play And he's pretty damn good at it, where he gets steals out of nowhere, where he gets blocks out of nowhere, and then sparks it so he can do his transition offense. So one thing that I noticed, I watched the Duke game, and I watched the wrong Duke game, where he wasn't good, and he was just getting abused by Paulo. And that's fine. Paulo is probably the most gifted offensive player in this draft. But what made me nervous for Jake as a defender he got blown by by AJ multiple times. AJ ISO'd him, took him to the rack. There were gets caught on
0: plenty of clips where Brady Manic from North Carolina, uh, Syracuse, like Buddy Bayheim Like he, I, I, I agree with you. I do think he tries on defense. I think he's an intelligent player. I you worried about little so slow laterally? Uh, he doesn't have a wingspan like his arms are almost the same size. Like he only has a six nine wingspan and he's six eight. So he doesn't really have that extra length to make up for if he's, you know, gets a step or two behind. Uh, So I I just I don't know defensively if he's going to be able to play in in those crunch minutes. I don't think he will. No, like if we're looking at at Jake Laravia, uh, I don't see a first round player to, to be to be perfectly honest. I think he's a nice mid to late second round prospect honestly reminds me a lot of another mid to late second round prospect the Blazers took another Jake he reminds me of Jake Lehman who was really good Jake
1: has way more athleticism though
0: (laughs) yes Jake Lehman does uh but they both excelled cutting off ball when you got Jake Lehman open he had a beautiful jump shot just like Jake LaRavia does um and I think that's where he projects if he's going to make a roster spot he's going to have to be a knockdown catch and shoot score on offense. The jump shot is gorgeous when he is set. Everything else was really a struggle for him offensively. Even even at the collegiate level, you know he's taking his time. And then he's you know going into a back down, and he's just dribbling the the seconds off the shot clock. That's not going to happen for him. He's not going to have that type of usage or role um, at at the next level. You know, struggling to get by the Brady Mannix, uh, Brand, Brady, Brady Mannix, excuse me, of the world. Uh, he can't really shoot off the dribble or off movement. I think his ideal role is playing alongside a superstar whose gravity pulls defenders away from him. And he can just boom, 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 knock down those open shots, like, like a Davis Bertans type type of score where it's like, okay, just don't, don't you can't leave this guy open. Like it, it benefits the superstar and it benefits Jake. Um, and if he's able to have that, Um, I think he could become a rotational player, but even, but I'm not even sold on that. Just because the defense worries me at, at that level. We're looking at a player at Miami, you know, Duncan Robinson, an elite shooter off of not only the catch and shoot, but off of off screens, off the dribble. I mean, he's just one one of the best shooters in the world. He can't defend, and he's only getting time for the Heat because they're having you know injury issues to Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry can't play basketball right now. So if Duncan Robinson is struggling in, in the postseason, like it just, I that's why I would be very hesitant to to give a four year contract to Jake Laravia. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said, Sage. I, I do think he's an incredibly intelligent basketball player, but uh, in today's NBA, I, I don't know if he's getting minutes for you in, in the postseason. And, and no, I'll, no, no, I'll,
1: he's he's absolutely not getting you.
0: And, and honestly, if, if if he's graded out as the thirtieth or thirty-third best player, I would rather roll the dice on a player like Drew Timmy at fifty-nine than than, than take Jake Laravia, and th- and that's because I, I think Timmy, if he is eight, Timmy's got four or five inches on wingspan uh, on Laravia, if he's able,
1: and he has a much better touch, And he's much sure.
0: better touch, he's got a feel for the game. Like I-, I would roll the dice on him at fifty-nine rather than spend a first-round pick on on Laravia. like that's like he's i think he's a fantastic european basketball player like there's nothing wrong with
1: that there's nothing wrong with being a fantastic european basketball player
0: a great basketball player but i almost go back to the the caleb swanigan you know argument like just so smart does everything you want but like athletically at that next level
1: some benchmarks as an athlete to play yes and he, he he doesn't no but, yeah, like uh, the two biggest swing skills for him is his athleticism and his his uh, shooting. So if you can't do the two most important things, play defense and shoot, it's going to be really hard for him to uh, make a rotation spot. The IQ is going to keep him playing basketball for a while, but he has to develop something. Um, yeah, I really wish he was – Went for a senior year, but he's not going to get any more athletic, and he's probably yeah, that's, not. Gonna do- that's
0: the thing it's like if he can get a first round contract, you have to go because, like you said, he's not going to get
1: he probably shined in those uh drills in the combine, and people got excited. But
0: those are combine players,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and just look at it like if I'm underwhelmed by f- watching three or four games of him, it should. If he shines in one part of the game in Combined, that's great. But the game is so much different and it's so much more telling. You can hide not being a good shooter. You can hide not being athletic for, you know, a workout. But when you're getting isoed against AJ Griffin or you're just getting your shit blown up by Paulo – that's more telling than just dominating combine players that probably aren't as good as you. So, he, he if Dalen Terry's forty on tankathon and Jake's a first, I don't, I
0: don't, I don't know how that's yeah. I don't know what we're missing on Dalen Terry, but he feels like oh my, he, should, he, he should be in their twenties to be yes. Considered. Absolutely. Um, so, again, we're, we're not just bringing you prospects that we think are fantastic or that knock our socks off. You know, we're, we're covering prospects from the top five all the way down to, to you know, pick 55. Uh, oh. And these are prospects that are just that they've came out of nowhere, left field. And when we started this in January, uh, these prospects were on nobody's radar, really, That that we would think we would be talking about at this time. Um, Anything left on Jake before we move to our final prospects age?
1: Uh, I have a question. Rank the three guys that we've talked about thus far.
0: The three guys we've talked about so far, I would say Jalen Williams, Blake Wesley, and Jake Laravia.
1: Is there a huge gap between uh, uh, Jalen and Blake?
0: Very small gap between those two, um, but large gap between Wesley and Laravia.
1: Okay, because I have a, I haven't put Jalen in my board yet, but he would be in the twenties. I don't think Blake's in my first round, so I think honestly, I Blake and Jake have a, it's a small uh, bit of separation, but I would say it's a pretty big separation from Blake and uh, uh, Jalen. All right, let's talk about this fourth guy, somebody that I told you you would hate.
0: All right. Last but not least is Bryce McGowan's from the university of Nebraska shooting guard, uh, six, six and a half with a s- almost six, nine wingspan. Someone who weighs even less than Blake Wesley, uh, 181 pounds, uh, 19 years old will turn 20 in November from Pendleton, South Carolina. So made the trip from South Carolina to Nebraska. He was a five-star recruit by rivals, the number 30th player ranked nationally. Uh, and Nebraska's highest-ranked highest, greatest, highest ranked recruit in the database era. Um, his bio says he chose Nebraska over Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Florida State. Uh, his brother Trey is a sophomore on the Nebraska basketball team. That's kind of a trend that we've seen with some of these prospects. You've got Keegan and Chris Murray at, at Iowa. Um, and there is some athleticism in the family. His mother, Pam, played basketball at Western Carolina. Uh, currently, a high school basketball coach. His father, Bobby, played football and basketball at South Carolina, and he has a younger sister named Reyna. Uh, some accolades for Bryce McGowan's third team All Big Ten this year and the Big Ten newcomer of the year. He's currently ranked 23rd on the Ringer's Big Board and 27 on Tankathon. Some season stats before we get into our evaluations. He averaged 16.8 points per game, did so on 40% shooting from the field, 27.5% from three, 83% at the line, grabbed over five rebounds, handed out just about an assist and a half per game, uh, about a half a steal, about a half a block per game. Did all of that in 33 minutes in 31 games with a player efficiency rating of 16 Point nine sage, what were your thoughts on Bryce McGowan's?
1: So, there is two versions of Bryce one is early year Bryce, where he is hero balling it 100% of the time, and it was he was taking some abhorrent shots, some awful shots, and then there was middle of the year, end of the year Bryce, where he was going downhill and getting to the basket and scoring and using his shooting and using all of the other tools that he has. And I got to give him props for changing his game completely from somebody that I don't think in today's game is that worthy of being in the NBA as a hero ball guy that takes just Kobe Bryant-level shots when he was just going for his. And missing and then go changing it to a guy that attacks the offense and is a uh, good offensive player. So I want to give him props for at least acknowledging that hero ball isn't the way to play when you're trying to get evaluated for the NBA. So I want to give him props on that. I, I think that he is a good offensive player when he isn't in the hero ball mind state. He has shown some ability to be an on-ball and off-ball score, where I don't think Blake Wesley has a chance of being an off-ball guy. Bryce, because of his shooting ability, can be an off-ball score. Um, he ran off screens really well. I think he's a lethal, lethal shooter and is slithery when he gets to the basket. So he actually has some finishing crafts. But I know if you watched any early season Bryce, you absolutely hated him. But what did you think of his offensive game?
0: Hated it. I know. I know you. Would. I do not like this prospect um, at, at all. To be to be blunt, um, I watched you know clips from early, middle to late, and yeah, there, there was a bit of a change. But I, I still think that the chucker tendency is there. Um, you're looking at a player who had the ultimate green light at Nebraska. They were four and sixteen in conference, tied with Minnesota for the worst record in the big 10 and it's putting up solid stats on teams that, that don't win with, with a high usage. I don't really like how that translates. Um, I really believe like a lot of these prospects we've talked about, he could have used another year or two of, of collegiate basketball. He's raw. I don't think he looked six, six on the court and that could be due to his, his slim frame. Yeah. He's a skinny. Skinny. I think he needs to add add weight because he's just not good with contact. Uh, He struggles to finish around the rim. He loves throwing up these these awkward, scooping, difficult type of layups. Um, I, I mean, the just from what I've seen, he's he's not going to be a playmaker or a passer. Like with all of that usage, he really had tunnel vision quite a bit. There was a game against Rutgers. He had two chances to win it, and he took two terrible contested layups that came nowhere close uh, to uh, finding the bottom of the net, and his team lost that game. Yes, I do think there is some potential there, but like with some of these other prospects, I think he's maybe the furthest away, and I say that because the jump shot needs a lot of work mechanically. Um, It's a slow release. He drops it down to his chest to gain momentum before going up. Uh, he's got that ball placement in the front of his face, um, and I just don't think those mechanics allow for consistency when you're moving off ball or off of the dribble. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, with with like with the Blake Wesley, there's there's potential, but it's a wait and see, and and it has to be in in the right system.
1: So, what about Bryce's? Ability to get to the free throw line and manufacture points off
0: that. Because I that remember was getting to the very lot interesting. Line. I was watching all of these clips and it's like highlight of highlight of him getting to the free throw line. And I'm like, that's just not going to work in the NBA. They reminded me exactly of Jared Bayless Summer League, where everyone is hyped. This dude was, you know, Summer League MVP getting to the line like 18 times a game. I'm like, fuck yeah, this dude rules. He's not going to get these calls at the next level. Um, it, Jared Bayless to me is, is the exact comparison I would give to him. Bayless had a very inconsistent jump shot. He was pretty athletic, but he had the most tunnel vision of maybe any tunnel vision player, young guard that, that I can remember, at least for the Portland trouble. just, I fucking loved Jared Bayless too. I had the blinders on for him, but it didn't work out because he could never add anything else to his game. So, he tends to drive right into the defenders. He did average over six free throws a game. So he was getting the calls at that level, but we've seen NBA officials. You have to earn their respect to get the calls. I just don't feel like he's going to get those type of calls at the next level. Like he may develop a James Harden like tendency to, you know, bait and trick the officials into these calls, but Um. I, I would be surprised if, if that is something that you can, can bank on. Um, But yeah, I, I agree that that was a, a standout for him in at Nebraska. I just, I don't think that's something that, that translates. It certainly didn't translate for Jared Bayless. Like I'm again, watched him in summer league parade to that free throw line. And he tried to do the same things once the regular season started and the whistles were swallowed, you
1: know, he, he, he has all of the architectural things that you're looking for being wing size with all the tools. He's just not a good basketball player right now, but he has all the tools that a coach can say, give me that and I'll turn him into this. So I think that i like the way that he runs some pick and rolls, navigating the screens to get to his spots to shoot. So again, he, to me, he's a second round guy. So, even though he has all the potential in the world to be that wing guy, and we didn't even talk about his defense, which is bad.
0: He is a terrible and, defender. I put in my notes, maybe the worst I have scouted this year. Yeah. Uh, he's he's I, he's just not it for me, Sage. He's, I have him one spot ahead of Jake Laravia on my big board, and it's because he's a freshman, and he, he – something may happen in the right system. I think Jake's pretty much tapped out. But it's
1: but I, I, would, I think that he has more I would steer clear. He has a lot more leeway than Jake cuz of the age and cuz of the tools that he has. But I mean, that 6769 guy is always going to get a job over the 6-foot guy that's more skilled just because of size in the NBA. But I think that he has shown a little bit of something offensively, even though a lot of his film is pretty shitty with the hero ball part of his game. So while he's, he's definitely a second round guy for me, even though he has the tools, it's tools. Aren't the only thing that you need to look at, especially when you're drafting at this point, you have to look for a guy that has some skills and, you know, you can say that, he he's a pick and roll guy and navigates screens well but we've talked about a bunch of guys already that do the same thing and have other skills and so he has to get his body right he has to he has to be prepared to scale way down like he was he was the, he was their offense
0: he was the man in Nebraska
1: so he's not going to be the man in anything other than summer league if the gm sucks and doesn't put a competent team around him he'll he'll do that but once he comes into the league with nba guys like could you imagine him trying to pull this shit with lebron or or damian lillard it ain't happening captain like come on bro but there's obviously some skill there he he, i would not give him that guaranteed for
0: no yeah i think you give him leeway for being a five-star recruit, it it could work out and it just, it takes some time, but I I agree. I think you mitigate the risk by putting a second round pick instead of that, that guaranteed contract um, on, on the player. And I, I think it's, it's the right system that really needs to work on the shot mechanics, get in the weight room and make a commitment to defense. Like I would give McGowan such a better grade if he just was a passable defender right now it's, 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 it's terrible. Like it it almost looked like it almost looked like an AAU player who's just out there to get his numbers and like one way on, on, on the side of the basketball. So um, just needs, there's a lot of red flags for me when it comes to scouting this prospect. And I think you can, you can turn a blind eye to one, maybe two red flags if you're taking a first round pick, but, but multiple, I, I I can't do it. Fair enough. He, but that's, that was, that, that was bound to happen though, Sage. We have almost, we have really raved about so many prospects. I think t- there's 20 plus prospects. We can both, you know, sit here and say, yeah, we would love to take them with a the first round pick. Like we really enjoy these players and what they can do. Like it's it's bound to happen. There's gonna be prospects that you love and prospects that you just wouldn't. Would well, this is why on. people
1: say this draft sucks, is because there's like the 18 quality players, and then like the, the guys that we've three out of the four guys we talked about today kind of have the better than likely chance they bust. So I I would say the Jalen he he probably sticks. If, if Blake Wesley sticks, he hits that 99% craft finish. He's CJ McCollum. Last year was an all-timer, an all-time draft. One of the best ever. This one's has has some great players, and then we've did we've done this shit for five months. Of course we're gonna talk about bad guys. So it happens. I, I wish every player had a chance of making it, but I don't there there's guys that are just gonna fail.
0: Yeah, you can even go back to two, three years ago and just look, like, where are the second rounders at now? Like, they're, they're gone. Like, they get their shot. And that that's why the NBA is able to put 60 players into a draft every year is because, I mean, there's only so many players that retire. It's the players that aren't able to consistently stick, and you try to find fresh faces – that are able to, to do so. But there will there will be second round players from this draft that that find their way. And I think it's going to be those specialists who do one to two things really well, aren't played off the floor because they do something extremely poor. Um like you can you can find a player who maybe doesn't have the, the isn't the most athletic, isn't isn't the tallest for their position, but they they figure out a way. Mm-hmm right they they find a way to make that extra play. they just they 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 figure it out um and maybe the four players that we talked about are able to do so um but that's why this is just an evaluation process. It's just something that we're looking at with with our own eyes, and it's like I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm the most comprehensive uh evaluator out there like I'm just some of the players like this these aren't just single episodes, we're trying to cram four players into one, so know i'm gonna give a shout out there's a couple of youtube channels that i that the scouting report does a great job of just putting game highlights together of misses of turnovers of whatever of players it's a great resource uh that the box in one um youtube channel does a great job of putting together about 15 minute scouting reports that can just give you high level of what this player is you take it and you make your own evaluation of, of the players but I wasn't sitting here turning into Wake Forest to watch Jake Laravia back in in, in February. Like I, I'm sorry, we, we were talking about Chet Holmgren and, and Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey. So mm-hmm. you know, we're we're doing our best, but we're, we're playing catch up too. And again, oh, totally, we're you gonna have players up. that we hit on, and we're gonna have players we miss on, just like every other scout out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, people now are just starting to watch Dyson Daniels. So
0: and I feel like we were a little early on Dyson Daniels, yeah. so I'll give us some credit for that.
1: So I mean, I like, yeah, I'm not watching Wake Forest unless they were playing Duke. I probably did watch Wake Forest Duke game, and I remember plays. But like, yeah, like I felt like this this particular episode was the one where I was feeling the most unprepared because like these these guys are fringe first round picks, and I was I was like if. I wasn't watching NBA and I was trying to watch a college game. Probably picking Duke, probably picking uh, Alma yeah. to just get annoyed or Purdue. So we're playing catch up, and I like I, I just crammed and watched way too many games 24 hours beforehand. So, thank but you sometimes so much.
0: those are the best scouting. Like sometimes you don't overthink it, and that's that's why I do enjoy these late firsts. Round guys, because you just there's there's not as much risk involved in picking somebody this this late in the draft. You just like okay, at least for you know, when when I'm kind of doing this, and it's like I, I found a tendency that like if we were looking at the lottery players, like, am I overthinking this player? And I think that happens constantly. So it is nice to just be like, okay, I feel good about where I'm at here, and, and let's 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 kind of move on.
1: I mean, we watch basketball, and obviously, like watching basketball and being able to talk about basketball is a completely different thing but sometimes you have to just look at your gut and gut feelings like uh there was a book by shit 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 shit, shit, shit about uh trusting your gut by a malcolm uh malcolm gladwell where if you've a professional at this thing you trust your gut and it's right so when when i watch jake i'm like i i like what he can provide but I have humongous question marks about his athleticism. So this is maybe this is uh, not the way to talk about this next week. But if you watch Jovic, I'll watch Pat Baldwin and JD Davidson, so we can have another four stack. You cool with that? All right. So next week, JD Davidson, Pat Baldwin. Jovic, don't remember his
0: first name. And, Nikola, and, it's it's Nikola Jovic. It's oh, almost like it's almost like it's Jokic, but, but, one but not, it's not.
1: It's not Nikola Jokic. And then our one of our most favorite prospects, Jalen Williams.
0: The other Jalen Williams, the J
1: A Y L I N Williams. So tune in next week. There's going to be a lot of uh, more information for you. And uh, if you enjoy these four stack episodes. Like and comment on iTunes. Retweet us on Twitter. We're providing some legitimate draft talk where it's not just the elite players. We're talking about players with some real flaws now. So um, support the Holy Backboard, and we'll be back next week. Peace.